hello. Welcome back to another episode of No Funk and Strictly Munkin, the only podcast where if, out of the blue, Outback Steakhouse were to add one rule, because, you know, at the moment there's no rules, but that one rule was no funkin', we would be fine, because all we would do is monk. I'm your host, Jay Christie, joined as always by Andre Brera. Andre, how are you? You know, I'm very unfamiliar with the rules, or lack of rules at Outback, so I'll just, uh, I mean, I'll it's just, they just, it, their, their slogan for a while was no rules, just right, so... I mean, that's all you need to know. I did not know that. I don't, yeah, I, don't, I did not know that. I mean, the, I, I think I made a note on this podcast before that Apex Steakhouse is very important to me, but this that reference I made is very surface level. Just like come, uh, their old slogan, you know. Um, okay. But anyway. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, shouts to Apex Steakhouse. Uh, right. The, We've established the, you love Outback Steakhouse. It's going to be the first place I go once I get my COVID vaccine. It's going to be my first indoor dining. Um, mostly because it would be very fun to say in 20 years, what was the first place you went after you got your vaccine? Uh, Apex Steakhouse. <laughs> but as much as I would want to, we're not here to talk about Apex Steakhouse. We're here to talk about Mr. Monk gets a new shrink. Um, okay, right off the bat, why is shrink so offensive to people? I think, I actually am not sure. I personally don't like it, so I can, um, it's not even one of those things where, uh, like, I don't understand where it comes from. Let me look at where it comes from. Because I know it makes me feel bad. Um, I think because they, like, they shrink your head or something. I think that's Yes, that's where it implied. comes from. Um, okay. I think that the reason why it makes me feel bad specifically is that it implies that, like, my head is a problem and needs to get, like, worked on in a way that I don't like is the way... That I don't personally, I don't, I don't find it offensive. I mean, I'm also not a shrink. But if someone were to say, "Oh, Jake, you're seeing your shrink," I would be like, oh, "I don't like that. That makes me feel icky." Okay, all right, but yeah, uh, a pretty good episode. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, because our good old friend Charles Kroger is heavily involved, mm-hmm. and I love him, and yeah, I miss him, right. I miss Charlie him dearly. Kroger. Now that I know that he's gone, uh, yeah. Stanley Camel, Camel, um, Camel. But yes. Um, the thing I, because this episode wasn't on rotation in syndication a lot, and the thing I forgot is, I, the thing I was glad about is I, um, even though it's called Gets a New Shrink, it's not mostly about that, you know what I mean? There's only the one scene where he really gets a new shrink. Right, and that part is very troubling. I mean, like, come we'll on, dude. We'll get to yeah, it. Yeah. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But we start off with Charlie, uh, Dr. K, Chucky Krogs, pulling up to his office. And you hear arguing inside the office, and you know who who's who's bickering back and forth in the office. Um, our, our pal uh, Adrian Monk and Harold Cranshaw. Crenshaw. Crenshaw. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're arguing about you know. Um, I guess it's Monk's time to get. Uh, he's there for well, his what appointment. What it is is what it is is that Monk always his appointment is at eight a.m. on Fridays. That's one of his appointments because you know he sees them three times a week. But uh, Harold Crenshaw was told by Dr. Kroger during their last session that they would pick it up first thing Friday. And so Crenshaw right. took that to mean Dr. Kroger's first appointment on Friday, whereas Monk, correctly, was like, no, he means the first moment we are back in session on Friday. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that you know, for once, Monk is correct, and it's not just him being hysterical about mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah, when someone says first thing, it means, like, not first thing in the morning but like yeah like you said. he doesn't mean that I, i'm gonna cancel my appointment with another patient so we could talk about like why that's stupid yeah but i think it's only because it's monk that it, this is like such yes. a huge issue if it were anybody else probably wouldn't be no because he thinks that because you know he thinks that monk's obsessed with dr kroger and uh you know etc but kroger realizes that uh he he's mad at them and yada 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 but he's like wait the door's open how did you guys get in here Mm-hmm. They go into the office, and I mean, this show we've talked about it before. It's just really not great for maids, because the maid Teresa, lying dead on the floor, uh, murdered. Right, and as uh, and we're not sure, but um, I think it's pretty safe to assume that she's ruining someone's marriage. What? Like she's like a mistress. This is oh a mistress right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh right, right, right. Yes. Um, God damn it. Sorry, I, you know. I thought you might be doing that, but it's like, I was like, did I not miss something? Um, yeah, fair enough. Since this wasn't a rotation, I could see why things would be a little foggier. Well, no, it's not just as much as that. It's that I thought, I'm like, wait, did I miss a reference to something? 
Or, like, is there a movie character named Teresa who fucks up a marriage that I just don't know off the top of my head? You know, anyway, that's what I was thinking. Alright. So, now, you know, the office has turned into a crime scene, and, um, Monk is, he's clearly not okay, but he's insisting he's okay. Uh, he's kind of, it, it's awkward for him to be there. Oh, right, but yeah, uh, there's, like, there's no better person to be there on the scene first. Um, obviously, there are two very, uh, idiosyncratic characters that have their own personalities and their traits so both of them have some weird obsession with touching mm-hmm. stuff and so like monk touches like the the vacuum mm-hmm. cleaner right the handle mm-hmm. and then harold needs to be the one that touches it next and monk you know scolds him and tells him like yeah. this is a crime scene officially like don't touch mm-hmm. anything but you just touch something so it's just a round and round thing that always happens with these two yeah and so now when we cut back to the theme song it's an official crime scene Monk uh, notices on the maid that the bottom of her sneakers are clean, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently the vacuum was empty, um, which is strange. Right. Yeah. I mean, two, two things that, like, I mean, if right now we could be fine with it. We could be like, hey, maybe it's a new pair of shoes or yeah. maybe she just started working. But what yeah. we find out is apparently Dr. Kroger's office is the last stop for her. Exactly. So that bag should have been full. Yeah. And, um, so, Monk, basically, Stonemaier's like, Monk, like, you gotta leave, like, we can't have you here, and Monk's like, no, I have to do this, I have to, uh, I have to be here to solve the case for Dr. Kroger, um, which... But we really know why. Yeah, exactly. It's, he it's start, he, he starts off sounding sincere, but it's very, you, you very quickly realize that he's there for, he has ulterior motives. Yeah, anyway. right. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, he needs he has his schedule. Mm-hmm. He has two times two times, three times a week. Three. Yeah, three times a week. You can't is upset that we know we see what happens mm-hmm. whenever that happens, so. Yeah, so we learn that Teresa has been cleaning the office for 12 years and the general theory that they have is that um someone must have broken in and she interrupted them and then they killed her because uh, they were looking for a file or something. Although Mark right. notes that nothing's missing, and the blood pattern suggests that things were ransacked after she was murdered. Right. So, something's not making sense here, and mm-hmm. we'll get to the bottom of it. And so Monk floats an idea, he's like, you know, I think I know someone who's obsessed with Dr. Kroger who might have done this. You know, Harold. And Natalie's like, you think Harold did this? And he goes, no. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the way he... Yeah, I love that he quickly, he really wants it to be true, and then instantly his yeah. uh, rational side kicks in. I think a worse show would have made him think it was Harold for, like, half the episode, honestly. And I'm glad that Monk doesn't, the show doesn't do that. I think earlier seasons of the show might have done true. that. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that that is, because there's no reason to believe it's him, and that actually, Monk actually would just be being a bad detective. Um, and, uh, but no, Harold didn't do it, unfortunately. I could see, I could see it. Judging how they, he needed to, like, tie something up the next session mm-hmm. maybe something could have gone awry i, I would session. love if they made harold the murderer yeah, yeah. But he, he didn't do it this episode there's no right, know, right evidence um and uh you know monk then he's looking around and he sees harold crenshaw's file and he you know does something really bad he looks inside it do you remember any of his symptoms uh you uh, well uh, what was it like no, I don't. I don't. Paranoia, narcissism, and like an obsession ah. with Adrian Monk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, I did have that written down, um, but I was mistaking her for another patient. That right. We now it is worth noting that those things are correct. Harold Crenshaw is definitely paranoid. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he's definitely think, a narcissist. I think that Harold Crenshaw is a more well-adjusted member of society, but I think that his symptoms make him a much quote-unquote tougher hang than Monk. Because Monk is endearing in a way that Harold Crenshaw is just not. But he's only endearing because we know him. I guess that's true, but I guess there's a certain anger that Harold Crenshaw operates with that just makes him, like, suck. Whereas, like, Monk is kind of sad. Fine, but we only see that when he's dealing with Monk. Eh, but also, what about when he's running for school board and he wanted to, like, shut down the school and stuff? Oh, yeah. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, Do we know what his occupation is, anyways? I forget. I don't know if it ever comes up. He's in more episodes, but I don't know. Um, okay. But anyway, uh, then Monk finds his own file, and he looks in it, and 
very close. Natalie's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, this is a terrible idea. And then, right. for once, and I'm so happy about this, I feel like Monk was had a short leash for the an appropriately short leash because the moment he opened right. up his own file Steinmark kicked him out and I think that that was the right thing to do there was no if ends or bots it's like no you're out of here yeah no absolutely I mean you're just you're not why would you do that I mean yeah I get it like the natural curiosity to want to know what your therapist says because like I, I've seen a therapist a few times mm-hmm. But I know, like, that that's just, like, not a thing you do. And he's a police officer. Why no. would he think this is okay? I, yeah. It's the or he was and a former, sorry. Yeah. Also, like, I personally would not want to see my therapist notes on me because, I mean, to be frank, I, I think that – I might be wrong about this. But I feel like if you suspect that your therapist might have notes about you – that are radically different from what they tell you face to face, then you don't have a good relationship with your therapist. Is that fair? Like, I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't want to read my therapist notes because, like, I really don't think that she's writing shit that's so different than what she tells. Why would Why would she have notes about me that she's not telling me? Because that's not how is that helpful? You know what I mean? Like, well, not only yeah, well, not only that, but um, but like, ugh, fuck, I had something and I lost it. That's all good. You'll find it. Um, yeah. But Monk, as he's in the hallway, and he's moping around because he saw something. What did he see in his file? Um, he saw he he only saw like the last two words of it. Or I'm sure he saw more, but the only two th- the things that stuck with him were the two words, "No hope." What he thinks he sees yeah. as no. Now hope. I just want to say this because they they get to the at the end of the episode, and I don't know if the episode. I want to know right now just because I don't feel like waiting. Do you think that Doctor Gore is lying when he says the thing about New Hope, or is he, or what? No, no. I mean, I think the 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 excuse is a little flimsy, but um, no, I just yeah. he doesn't seem the type to do that kind of thing. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say because I feel like in the, I think the episode is playing it like he's lying, but the thing for me is that I, maybe I'm naive, but what kind of therapist would like? There, there's no purpose of writing no hope in the file. Like that's not your job. Your job well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like uh, that no psychological journal is going to be like, "Oh, well, what a great therapist. He wrote no hope." Like it's just not the vernacular that you would use. You would just yeah. say something else. There's some oh, other no, and like in your, your job is also not to assess like if you're going to say like it doesn't show room for improvement or something like that. It's something you'd say you yeah. would say, "Oh, they have no hope." <laughs> no hope is a private thought. No yeah. no improvement is yeah, yeah something exactly. you can write down. Anyway, so Dr. Kroger gets interviewed by Stott uh, and um, basically, they term they mentioned that there's an extra set of keys um, out front, and basically, he dons it in like, "Oh no, you think it was a patient?" Well, because uh, the only two people that have yeah. the sets of keys are the cleaner and him. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, they think it was a patient, and uh, apparently, I didn't know that this was true, but apparently, Doctor Kroger is legally bound to if there's a patient he thinks it could be to uh, give him up. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I, 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 no, actually, I think if they make an implicit threat, then yes. Yeah. You, you, I also you think merged. Right I, I know with therapy, with like a psychi- a psychological person, like a therapist or psychiatrist, I know if it's any like violence against someone else or violence against oneself, you have to report. I believe is what it is. Um, As but, it, what about like violence against an animal? I'm not sure. I also think honestly, it probably depends on the animal. Um, don't come at me, Peta come at yeah me, but I, yeah i think if you're like i like to burn ants with uh magnifying glass magnifying i don't glass. think that uh, i've actually i never did that honestly that's i've never of, done that either kind of it's i kind of missed my window on that um i think the only thing that i ever did was uh the salt and like snails and shit which uh, was just nev- terrible never did that because I, I never was really around snails um uh really is no, it in florida i mean not really there's some on the beach maybe but like not really uh no not a ton um, on I mean, the beach, sea snails. There are some there, but that was really the only place. But also, yeah, there's just not that many snails where I'm from in Florida. I don't know. I don't want to just hate to disappoint you. Just not. Uh, okay. I mean, there's a million other types of creepy crawlies, um, like True. grasshoppers this big. You know. How about love bugs? Love bugs. Oh, I fucking hate love bugs. Love bugs. They get caught in your car, which it, there's the worst. Um, I've heard about that phenomenon. Yeah, basically, if you in during love bug season, which is like a month in like June-ish, I think, if you're driving on the highway, you will have your entire car windshield will be splattered with it. Um, it's actually gotten better over the past few years. I think that they've been done a good job at exterminating them more because the first few years I lived in Florida, it was unbearable. Um, it was like and people would like have their cars set on fire because they get them jammed up in the uh, engine so much. 
Good yeah. God. Because Lebuckface, they have no spatial awareness, so they you, they just fly right in your car. Anyway, um, it's just, so I should have I killed some love bugs with a magnifying glass. Now, what is fun is they call them love bugs because they basically link together while they're mating, and they fly around together for, like, hours at a time, and you can pull them apart, and that's fun. Anyway, um... A whole new world, baby. It's a whole new... Um, and so, uh... Kroger mentioned that there's a patient who is delusional, uh, borderline schizophrenic, and he wanted his file because he thought that Dr. Kroger was talking to his ex-wife. Which, like, jeez, uh, man. That... For a second, before he gets to that portion, I'm like, oh my god, don't tell me he's, like, describing Monk or, like, Crenshaw or something. Yeah. I knew he wasn't describing Monk because Monk is not borderline schizo. Um, Harold Crenshaw might be, but... Actually, I don't think so. Um, yeah. But, yeah, this guy who he's describing is a real piece of work. Um, you know, what the hell? Your, close, per- your close personal friend, Joseph Wheeler. Thinking that Chucky Kroger is talking to his ex-wife. That's, man, don't do that to Charlie. That's weird. Yeah, I know. We meet his wife in this episode, and she he's doing pretty well for himself. Um, anyway, yeah. So, we then cut, uh, we learned he has a guy named Joseph Weaver, Wheeler, excuse me, um, and, uh, you know... Kroger, when he has this realization that it was him, he thinks, he's despondent, and um, as he's leaving, Monk confronts him about the no hope, and... Well, hold on yeah. a second, hold on. The, the patient, like, literally threatened with breaking right. into Kroger's yes. office to, to get his file. Yeah. And so Monk confronts him about no hope, and uh, Kroger dumps a little bit of news on him. Yeah, he tells him... <clears throat> excuse me, um, that basically, that he's retiring. Like, he's mm-hmm. done. Like, this is this is the, the final straw. He feels that he's somehow responsible, which, you know, a good therapist, I think, would feel that way. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I don't... Yeah, completely begrudge. understandable reaction, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then comes one of my top, probably top ten favorite scenes in all <laughs> Where Monk... Oh, God. Okay, yeah. Goes through the five stages of grief repeatedly in, like, a minute. <laughs> Yeah, in a loop. He's going nuts. Yeah, he goes through all that. And it, it appears to be the first time that Monk's ever seen... Uh, not Monk. Uh, that Kroger's ever seen it, like, in a loop, like I said. Well, it's, it's never... Ha- it's like, guys, it usually doesn't happen this fast. But just... Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just love how Tony Stewart basically overplays every single one of them. Yeah, he keeps telling him to go to hell and that he hates him and, and all this crap. And it's... It's like an isolate... Like, if, if you took this show very seriously, you'd be like, oh, how the hell? Like, there's no way he'd be like this, but, you know, because it's Monk, you're like, all right. I love times. the... Th- the thing I love is the transition between anger and bargaining both times. Because just, like, how, like, the first time when he, like, saddles up, crosses his arms and leans against the wall, it's like, all right, I'll put you on the payroll full time. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever found yourself... I, I think I'm going to ask you this before. Going through the stages of grief, even if it's at something small... No, oh, I, I never think about it. I never think about I've, it. I I only think about it because I only realize I'm in it with bargaining. Where like I'm like when I try to like be like if I do this, it's like oh wait no that just I'm just you know uh, that's the easiest step to notice. That's the easiest step to get. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's five yeah. stages. Yes, it's. Well, I, I think now there's like eight because in the same way that there now are like you know twelve senses instead of five. Um, but wait, it's, what? Uh, well, yeah, there's, you don't know about this. Well, there's a, no. Basically, the five senses where we're taught as kids are like just. It's one of those things right. where we basically didn't update that since, like, Aristotle's time. So, like, mm-hmm. if you think about it, like, or the best example of it is if you close your eyes and then I tell you to touch your nose, which one of your five senses are you using to find your nose? My brain. You're not using any of them. You're using something called, I think it's... Memory. Pri- memory. Pri- no, it's called prioroception, which is your sp- your body in relation to itself. Or if I tie you to a chair and... I make you stare at I'm the wall. demonstrating all the I'm demonstrating all this so you yes. guys can't see it. Yeah. If I tie you to a chair and I make you look at a wall in a room that doesn't change at all, how do you know that any time has passed? What sense are you using for that? None. You're using your sense of time. So there are diff- there are more than basically I think there are twelve senses. Anyway, that not important. In the same way, now I think there are like eight stages of grief. But yes, the denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, denial is also a very easy one to tell. It's like whenever there's like a sad news story and I get a text from my brothers like, is this real? It's like, of course it's yes. Like, I don't want to, I don't have any specifics, but it's like, no, the Hollywood Reporter.com made up that Chadwick Boseman died. Like, no, of course it's real. Like, there's really done going here. Right, right, um, right, right. I just hate that. It's like, yeah, of course, no shit, it's real. Like, why are you asking me if it's real? Because then I have to be the bearer of bad news. I have to be like, yes, sorry, my bad. Uh, <laughs> 
I just don't like being the bearer of bad news. Is what I'm realizing that that this. Listen, you are not the Hollywood Reporter was the bearer of bad news. That's in this true, example. but it's also like if I see a reputable news site report something, I would never text someone. Is that real? I was like, of course it's real. Anyway, that's. I don't know. Wasn't there someone recently that was like falsely declared? That's dead? true, but they were not a very famous person. Like they were like a Bond girl in like the '60s. Midge uh, from uh, that '70s show. I beg to differ. Oh, I don't know her name, was. so I that's guess that illustrates. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. I was suggesting someone else. Anyway, we're go we go to a build a bear workshop, but not, um, right? Uh, which um, fun place? I have I went there when I was like six a couple of times, um, and uh, we meet Joe Wheeler, who definitely does not belong. He shouldn't work here. Right, like you shouldn't deal with anything with like children if you uh, have the issues that you have. Yeah, you're borderline schizophrenic. Right. Yeah, like, and and not that people, and as I make clear, people with mental illnesses should have a wide range of career options, but in the same way that I shouldn't officiate mud wrestling because I have OC about things touching my hands, he shouldn't work with children because he's borderline schizophrenic. <laughs> that was a great example, wow. Five I, out of five. Thank you, thank you. I, and it really was just like, what's the thing you get your hands dirty? Um, although, now I think about Painting? It, yeah, I know. But famously, uh, Mark Summers of uh, Double Dare is a very OCD, and he could never touch any of the slime stuff, which I think is fascinating. Um, That's anyway. like if Howie Mandel like did that too. I know. Um, anyway, uh, they meet Wheeler, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, is this about the cleaning lady? I heard she died." And I, it's completely unnecessary, but I do like that Natalie's like she had a name. It was Teresa, which like you go, Natalie. Fuck this guy. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, definitely. And and while this is happening, while this is question, while this questioning is going on, a little girl basically comes up to him, like asking for him to fix the little doll that he's working on, and he's basically yeah. like just fucking rough, roughing up the goddamn doll. Like poor now, thing. I recognize this little girl. I'm like, I think I know who this is. And I how because I'm me. But I uh-huh. also it's also who it is. You'll it's actually not surprising. I like you know moved my mouse with the X-ray. Is none other than. Kiernan Shipka of Mad Men fame. No uh, shit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like Sabrina. Yeah. Uh, like, it's not, it's not like that. If it was someone who wasn't famous until she was in her 20s, it'd be one thing. But, like, she was on Mad Men, like, a year after this episode. So it's not like, you know, she's that different looking. Um, but anyway. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, it's good for her. I don't think that this was her first role, but uh, um, you got to get your start somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, he says, like, if some shrink had your fire, wouldn't you want to see it? And once again, no. We already talked about this. Um, we wouldn't, but we know no. Monk would. Yeah, Monk would, and this guy would, because he's uh, schizophrenic. Um, and uh, Well, sorry, borderline. And his, wi- and his, and his wife uh, left him or almost left him? No, his wife left him. Ah, okay. He's the guy he responds to every Adam Schefter tweet with, my wife left me. Um, <laughs> uh Anyway, um, they basically are like, you know... Uh, you stabbed her, and you know, you know they they accuse him real quick, which I really don't like, because um, right. they don't have everything. That's all circumstantial. Um, and Monk gets really mad at him because it's like he quit because of you. But then J- Wheeler reveals something about how he feels about Doctor Kroger. Uh you, I, I, what that he's indispensable? I, that I, he would have taken a bullet for him. Oh, okay, okay. So that I missed that fucking callback then at the end because I definitely didn't pick up on that. Yeah, and then I just love how. The him and Monk have like a heart heart to heart where they're both tearing apart bears. Like, I don't know what we're gonna do without him. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do without him? Wow, I just realized that might have been the reason why they kept using the word bereft. Bereft. Oh wow, bereft. That's a word that we don't use enough. Um, no, I I wrote it down. I'm like, wow, I freaking love that word. Yeah, I definitely. Uh, I I honestly can't think of another time. I don't think I've ever used it. Um, but you know, maybe. But also. Yeah, we should. Um, but also, uh, whilst this is happening, also Disher basically gets the is Disher or Stott, one of them gets the scoop that yeah that essentially it couldn't have been Joseph because he was doing inventory till one a.m. Yeah. the day that this crime would have occurred, yeah. so he's off the hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely is not him. Uh, you know, I we we knew that already because it's you know this episode would have been really bad if the, if the the conclusion was Dr. Kroger is a bad therapist and he one of his patients murdered his cleaning lady. <laughs> um, yeah, this would have like shaped out to be some sort of like basic instinct, uh, basic instinct kind of like uh, storyline. Yes, yeah. less sexier. Yes and no, um, but yes, uh, yes. It, it, Monk is sitting in his chair and uh, he's uh, oh god, no. his <laughs> eyes. 
man. <sighs> I'm going to leave that one just in case. I'm, I'm going to let that joke just sit there just in case we somehow get Tony Shalhoub. I do not want him to ever. Well, okay, like, I'm not. I'm not. I, that joke's pretty tame because you're wearing pants. Let's not be stupid. Um, oh, true. True. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so Monk is in his chair and he's in a, doing a therapy session. And you just know that it's going to pan over and there's going to be someone funny sitting in Kroger's chair, you know? Yeah, yeah, and uh, basically he's he's talking about Natalie while mm-hmm. this is happening, and he's mentioning that like you know she he feels like she's gonna die or something like mm-hmm. he starts yeah, getting that, well, everyone's gonna leave him, it. right? Yeah, yeah. and, and then find out, out who's he talking to? Yeah, we find out that it's actually Natalie. He's getting mm-hmm. he needs to talk to somebody. It's nine a.m. He's got a routine like mm-hmm. he's got to talk to somebody. What's mm-hmm. different is that he's in their in Kroger's office, so it makes it seem a little bit more natural. Yeah. More. I do love that she's like, you know, I'm, I don't feel comfortable with this. I'm off limits. Um, right. And then right. he tells a story about how his mother went back to work at when he was 12 and, you know, and then she gives an example of her life. And he's like, nobody cares about your problems, which in honesty, she mentions, you know, it was hard when my mom went back to volunteering and we know how she grew up. So I actually don't care about her problems in that regard. That's true. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I mean, also like, and having met her mother as much time as she could spend out of the house, the better, you know? I know that we're going to see her again pretty yes. soon. Yeah. Uh, Holland Taylor. You, when you got Holland Taylor on deck, you got to bring her back. Right. Um, anyway. Uh, so, basically, Monk just mentions that he keeps thinking about no hope. Um, and uh, understandable, you know, that I, I get it. But then he notices that the carpet, part of it, had been vacuumed already. Which means that the killer walked in on her, not vice versa. And if she was vacuuming, the killer had to have known she was there, which means <gasps> she was the target. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Clean, cleaning ladies, uh, add them to the list. of. Uh... Basically, the thing about Monk is anytime someone gets murdered and it's originally presented as they were just in the way, they always end up having been the target. <laughs> right. Right. It was like, uh, wait, is that the opposite of the problem with the mayors? The first episode? No, the first episode, that's it. Because they, they think yeah, yeah, that yeah. The, the bodyguard gets killed by accident, but it was because he was the target. Um, right, right, right. Yeah. It's a, honestly, it's a good switcheroo. It always works. I'm not saying, I'm not pointing out that happens a lot as a bad thing. I think that that's a great storytelling device. Um, yeah, yeah. There's also only so many ways to do a misdirect in a crime show. <laughs> yes. True. And then a guy named Francis Merrigan uh, comes in. Who asks, are you guys cops? He doesn't have that accent, but I feel like Francis Merrigan has that energy as a name. Oh, yeah. Very Frank Costigan. Uh, or no, wait. Billy, Billy Costigan, Costigan energy. Yeah. yeah. Billy Costigan. Uh, my father was a cop. My father... Uh, wait, what is, what's uh, Martin Sheen's line? Like, do you so, want to be a cop? So, no, so, are you, so you want to be a cop? So are you a cop or do you want to appear to be a be cop? Be a cop. Okay, great. Shouts to the department. Yeah. One of those movies that I think is great, but... I think people like the types of people who liked it a lot kind of ruined it for a little bit, but I think it's background to being okay to love. Right, yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's great. great. It's legitimately it's super fun, but people like take it like a. It's it is not a serious crime drama at all. It's really stupid. Correct. <laughs> but Correct. it's great. Um, Any movie that has that takes place in Boston and it has shipping up to Boston in it heavily uh, cannot be taken seriously. No, or Jack Nicholson using a sex toy randomly. And I don't know if you know this, but he improvised that. He came up with the idea for that scene. Um, no wonder he retired from acting. Yeah. Shouts to Jack Nicholson, man. Um, yeah. Just really doing, living his, he's, he lived his best life from like 1960 until now. Um, right. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Francis American comes in. He's a regular art vandalay, import-exporter. Um, Real piece of shit, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, just generally not a good guy. And because he's glad that Dr. Kroger's leaving, you know, his patience, like a freak show. Yeah, he basically starts shaming the hell out of mental, about uh, of people that that see, uh, you know, uh, therapists, right? Yeah, just really, it's like a real. I want. I my, my mind was gonna say piece of work, but no, he's a piece of shit. Like, just, even if he wasn't the murderer, he's just like a shitty guy. <laughs> no, right, and absolutely. The second that he said he was an import and export business for whatever reason, I'm like, this is him. This is it. Well, it yeah, because you, you deal, if you're an import and export, you deal drugs. I'm sorry if you're a listener and you're an import and exporting. Even if you don't think you deal drugs, I'm sorry, you deal drugs in some way, shape, or form. It's just a fact. Or if you own a barbershop. Is that a thing? People deal drugs at Um, No, but I remember, like, in the, on Chappelle's show, there was, like, the skit where Paul Mooney would review movies. That's true. 
I guess and they did. They yeah. were like, they're like, uh, like, and now we're going to review Barbershop. And the only comment he has is, you know, it's a front for drugs, right? And then yeah. it just cuts. To the I next don't movie. think that has anything. To, I think that has to do with the fact that I, I don't know. I think I don't think that barbershops generally are. Because I just don't even think they'd be a good <laughs> front for drugs. I don't think that they'd be be a good front for drugs. Because um, I, I don't know. Um, anyway. Yeah, probably not. Because I think there's a cap to how much money you possibly can make. You know, because you only can cut so many people's hair in a day. So like you anyway. Money laundering. Is, I'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll ask about our bonus, our Patreon pod, where we talk about money laundering. Um, yeah. And, yeah, but this guy, I just, I get that our, what we talked about mental illness was different, like, 13 years ago. But I just imagine going up to strangers you've never met before and be like, man, these fucking crazy people, freak show, glad they're not here anymore. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? Right, not only that, but there's, like, a non-zero chance that he would have seen Monk there at some yeah, point. Like, exactly. come on. Yeah, he's a dick. And, and he's yeah. like, you know, one of them did, did kill Teresa, right? And uh, they're like, Monk, and Monk doesn't know it, but he's giving up the goods where he says, no, I actually don't think so. Um, right. And then uh, Adrian crosses a line because he, uh, knock, 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 wh- whose house is he at? He's at Kroger's, and uh, he moved on up because this house is fucking nice. It's way it nicer than the one be- previously. Now, the thing is, I... Think that if you're like a psychiatrist in San Francisco who has that oh, office, absolutely. then you're yeah. ab- that you're definitely. I mean, that is a very lucrative job. I mean, yeah. To be honest, I was just underwhelmed by his previous house. This exactly. seems more up to snuff. Exactly. Um, he also probably doesn't even live in San Francisco property. Probably lives, you know, somewhere, maybe, uh, somewhere in somewhere in the Bay in Marin, uh, Marin County, maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. He's just living the life, um, and I love that. Uh, Doctor was like is. Is Natalie there with you? And he says, Natalie refused to take me. <laughs> and then he says, yeah. good for her. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, you know, he's always a straight shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, like, recoil a little bit at... I know that Monk's always, like, super invasive and kind of... Yes. Um, you know, he crosses the mm-hmm. line a lot. But I also do kind of feel like Charles, like, knowing who he is, is a little harsh to Monk whenever he yeah. shows up at his house. I, yes. I can't say that. I wouldn't do the same, but yes, I just, it's, I... it's weird. Yes. Fair. I think that with, uh, I think that you need to have very clear boundaries, and I think I, under- I understand. I th- and I also think he's in a super time. The times where Monk shows up to him are times where he's in extreme stress. Like if on like a Tuesday he really needed to talk to him, he'd probably be annoyed. But like, this is probably Doctor Kroger's like worst week of his life, you know. And Monk true. has to make show up and make it about him. Yeah, that's very true. Um, because yeah, I, uh, Kroger knows that he's not doing it out of the goodness of his heart. He's doing it because he needs him back, exactly. basically. And so Monk tells Kroger that Joe didn't kill him, kill uh, Teresa, but he, Kroger still thinks it was one of his patients. Um, and Monk tries to get in by saying he's thirsty. Um, mm-hmm. And thankfully, now Kroger doesn't fall for the bait, uh, and he shuts the door on him. Right, but, but, but first we get like a little, a little look into uh, Kroger's mm-hmm. personal right. life and we hear his son being a total dickhead mm-hmm. yeah. about it being super cold and closing the door. Like, bro, like you seem like you were very far away. There's no chance this breeze hit inside. No, exactly. And also it's like not – it's the Bay Area. It's never that cold, um, famously. Right. It's never that right. warm, but it's never that cold. Um, right. And so, uh, yeah. Then we cut to later in the night and – Monk is very much evading privacy, and he is literally spying on Doctor Kroger. Yeah, he's 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 like uh, set up in the bushes, looking through the window, uh, you know, just watching Doctor Kroger read a book, which is insanely creepy. Read a newspaper, um, but yes, or a newspaper, right? But he notices something across the way. Oh, wouldn't you know it? It's Harold Crenshaw also spying on him. <laughs> yeah, which you know makes sense. Um, it it's actually doesn't go on that long, mercifully. Yeah. Um, because it's interrupted by uh, I'm trying to make a noise. Not bad. Okay. Yeah. Uh, someone throws a rock through the glass and shakes everything up, and sure enough, they peel out. And uh, you know, next thing we know, Monk goes to the wind or he goes to the door, mm-hmm. and uh, Mrs. Kroger lets him in, wondering how the hell he got there so fast. Yes. And then Kroger, Dr. Kroger immediately realizes, wait, have you been here this whole time? It's been three hours. And then we meet his son, Troy, who is uh, a goth boy in the... It's a lot. 
Yeah, and like the most like hot topicy version of being a goth you can possibly be. Yeah, not uh, not a fan. Um, he, I hope. Do we see him again? I hope not. Uh, yes, um, but lit much later, and I think he's he's past his goth phase. I think, if I remember correctly. Um, okay, good. At least I think so. I might be confusing with someone else, but um, but we he, they end up looking at the rock and it has a note on it that says, "Doctor K, you ruined my life. You will pay." Uh, right, so you got to get the cops involved at this point. Yeah, and so Stamar shows up, and um, he points out that because Dr. Kroger was in the den with the lights on, that means that the person who threw the rock could could have seen him, and if he wanted to, he could have thrown the rock at him. And so clearly that means he's not actually trying to, at least what Stamar says, it doesn't mean, it means that he's trying not to hurt him, which is a fair a fair assessment, I think. Right, yeah, no, Absolutely. Um, but he offers to, you know, uh, well, they, they basically, from the telegram, they go back to the theory of it being a patient, mm-hmm. which is bad news for Monk, but, you know, it adds up. It makes sense with everything we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Stah decides he's gonna, you know, spot them some cops outside of his house, much to Monk's chagrin, because he volunteers to be a bodyguard, which, why would you ever want Monk to be your bodyguard? Uh, the, uh, yeah, just truly, a uh, bad idea. Um... And Monk looks at the rock. It's like, I've seen that rock. Which is, of course, you know, it's going to come back because Monk uh, is the only person, as Stylemon points out, the only person who can say that without looking crazy. Um, and then Troy's like, you know, my dad thinks I did it. Uh, and we, yeah. Which, like, no, he doesn't. That's stupid. Well, no, he says that he did. No, what? What do you mean? Kroger says that he was upset when he said yes, that. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's But he clearly at some point thought that his son would have done that, I mean, which is crazy look at him. to me. Look at him, though. Look at him, though. Look at him. I mean, judging... I, I'll, I'll freely judge a book maybe, by its cover if it maybe, looks like that. If you look maybe. like that, I'm sorry. Maybe. But if Dr. Kroger wasn't a no, no, freaking therapist... Yeah, yeah, if Dr. Kroger no wasn't a therapist, then I'd be like, okay, fine. You can get... But, like, there's a different way of handling yeah, things. Like, yeah, he would and, be better. But also, but Troy's like, you know, I, I, I can't... I don't know if you could fake a paternity test, but but you're, there's no way you're my dad. Which, like... Yeah, he, he hates when he calls him son. Which I just don't understand, like... I, I, I have no backbone whatsoever as a person, so I really have no place to say this. But, Dr. Kroger, have some backbone. Why are you letting your son bully you into getting a paternity test? When your son asked you for a paternity test, you should just More say, than fuck once. you. Exactly, right? But, like, am I wrong? Like, just say, no. Fuck you. Yeah, no, for sure. But we know, like, and there's also this little side comment where, like, when Disher. Troy first shows up. Yeah. yeah, Disher's like, hey, Troy, you've been taking care of yourself. Like, implying some sort of previous relationship. Mm-hmm. Not relationship, but, like, some previous run-in with him. So, clearly, mm-hmm. this kid, Troy, is incredibly troubled. Yeah, definitely not. Doesn't reflect well on Dr. Kroger. Um... I mean, obviously, yes, some, a person's kid's behavior is not a direct reflection on them as people. Um, but some, yeah, someone's like, ah, you know, like, you know. Uh, it, 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 Troy turning out that way doesn't mean that Dr. Kroger is a bad parent. However, it does mean he's not the best parent. <laughs> like, that just, you know. Um, That's fair to say. Like, it, kids don't end up like that by accident. It's not always, but it's not an, not an accident. There's um, something behind it. Yes, uh, I you know I just want to say I think there's a reason why my parents went three for three with raising children who never went through phases like that. Um, so shouts to them. Um, and yeah, uh, shouts to my parents. I didn't really do. I didn't. I don't know. Well, I haven't been arrested in the United States, but yeah. But, oh, know, that's right. You've been arrested good. in Mexico. Classic. I forgot episode that on guys, but yeah, go back and listen to that one. Probably Mr. Monk goes to Mexico. Yeah, or I think some so. shit. Yeah. Um, and so. Uh, Dr. Kroger pulls Monk aside and says that he made him an appointment with Dr. Jonah Sordenson, who is apparently, like, world-renowned. Um, he doesn't see new patients, but he made an exception for Monk, and he has an appointment tomorrow morning. And honestly, great gesture by Dr. Kroger. Honestly, right. stand up. Stand an insane up. turnaround, too. Like, mm-hmm. good luck getting a therapist to take you the next day. I know, exactly. Like, I mean, yeah. Um, and so Monk shows up for his appointment. It, I'll say this, this. The office it's in is incredibly accurate to like therapist or psychiatrist's office i've been in it is like much more accurate than dr kroger's dr kroger's is like way too fancy this is like that's like an architect's office almost who kroger's yeah whereas this is like very cozy and like i don't know there's just a vibe it has that feels very familiar Uh, that's just me speaking from experience um anyway he monk gets a sheet and it says list any phobias but there's only five spaces 
Right. Uh, so he might need another sheet. Or no, I'm sorry. So he can use the back of the sheet. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to be enough either. He needs mm-hmm. another sheet and another sheet. And another sheet. sheet. Yeah, I do Give like a that they, notebook. I like that they that I like the way that they do this bit where it gets cut off. Them like you don't actually ever see him writing it down. That we get the joke of the other sheet, but we don't have to see him actually do it. Yeah, you know I mean, because that would yes. be dumb. And then yes. we meet Doctor Sorensen, and just let's just get it up. What, what's up with Doctor Sorensen? Well, apparently he was the one, the man who was responsible for killing Harrison Ford's wife in yes, the fugitive. Do, yeah, Doctor Richard Kimball's wife was killed by this guy. Now, what's up with him? Uh, yeah, he's missing an arm. Yes. Now, why don't you something crazy about this guy? Which I, because I Google, I w- looked him up. His The actor's name is Rick Curry, and he is actually missing an arm. Okay? Okay. And this okay. is his only TV or movie acting credit ever. And I can he, tell. You know, you know what he is, though? He is, well, he's actually dead now, but he was a Jesuit priest. Who, no shit. who was who like was the head of like the theater workshop of the handicapped uh, in like I think in the United States for a while, um, and he like used theater and stuff to uh, you know help do good works and stuff like that. Um, so good for him, man. Well, that's that's interesting. I mean, he definitely gave off a vibe, not necessarily like a TV or like movie actor, but he gave off like a, a different kind of act, like a, an amateur actor. Kind I don't of know. I'll be honest with you. I vibe. didn't. I didn't think he was bad. I. I. I, I I'll say this. He had an energy. Troy's worse. That I, I, lo- I, the energy was weird in a way that I kind of appreciated. It just, it felt like he was acting in a different show. Well, it felt like he wasn't acting yes, in a TV yes. show. Like, it yes. almost felt like he was, I don't want to say he was acting in a movie, but it's like, it felt like it, it did not fit like a procedural cop show vibe. It was a lot yeah. warmer and Something a lot. Something felt off. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I'm a big I'm a big proponent of casting just random people and shit. Like I think there's nothing that makes me la- la- that I like more when you see a movie where it's like yeah that guy who has like three lines he was just a dude they met on the subway one day. You know what I mean? Not that I'm a, it's a, it's a, on the one hand I want young actors to have parts and stuff like that. But also if every small role in every movie was just cast with a random dude, that would also make me happy. <laughs> um, well, I, ha- I have an interesting anecdote. So obviously you know I'm a huge fan of Twin Peaks, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. So they made there's like a famous house from the original series and mm-hmm. uh, in the last in the in the season that came out 25 years after the the last one yeah uh, they end up back at that house like in the very last scene of the show well, I guess I shouldn't spoil it That's but they funny. end up at that house they end up at that house and the lady the people who live at that house are the ones that are actually on the show wow so that was interesting yeah it was crazy it was really interesting see shit like that or like I mean you this is an obvious thing but just like how half the cast of uncut gems. Is like how like the one ma- main like uh, tough heavy. street tough the heavy is just a dude that they meant Jersey. <laughs> I, I mean, he's the, the most Jersey guy you can possibly and, ever. And meet. he's like my, probably like one of the best performances of the movie. <laughs> right, right. Anyway, love shit like that. But anyway, so this guy's missing an arm, um, and uh, he lost it a couple of years ago in a boating accident. Yes, in real life. I'm by only the way, saying that because it yeah. sets up something later yes. on. That's funny. In real life, he was actually just born without the arm. But anyway, um, okay. uh. And basically, Monk's very uncomfortable by it. And when asked about Dr. Kroger, he's a very good man. He's very symmetrical. And he's, like, covering up his eyes so he doesn't see his other eye. When he's asked about Trudy, he says Trudy was great. Also symmetrical. Natalie. Now, this is a little side thing. She, he says that Natalie reminds me a lot of Trudy. Which, he's doing that to set up the symmetrical, but I do think he means that in other ways, too. But anyway... Also symmetrical. And I think I, the, thing, the reason I like this actor in this role is because the warmth that he has, you don't really feel bad for him. Right, right, You're right. Kinda, he sees what's going on and he's like – and I, I, I think that that's so important that you don't feel bad for him because – No, right. Yeah. Right. And, and I, well, on top of that, he's he's playing a therapist at the end of the day. Like he, he needs to be in touch with like – the yeah, way he, he feels. He immediately knows what's going on. And he wants yes, he wants yes, to give Monk yes. the opportunity to like say something, but clearly he knows this, you know it's not gonna it, it, they need to work through it or it's not gonna work, you know? And, right, yeah. right, right, right. Um yeah. So we learned yeah, he lost his arm in a boating accident. He says, Can you handle it? Um and uh the answer's no, but Monk doesn't say that. But because he has an epiphany. Right. Yeah, it's basically just like they start talking about change or something, and yeah. then it leads into like Monk saying that change is impossible. It's like the hardest thing to deal mm-hmm. with. It's I forgot what the exact antidote he uses, but it somehow gets to a rock. Well, he, he says, I mean, I, I this is so different. I knew Dr. Kroger's office. I knew every book, every leaf, every rock. I have to go. And yeah. then he runs out. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. And so he goes to uh, Kroger's office, and Kroger's there. And Kroger's, of course, not happy to see him. Yeah, you know, he's packing up his stuff, and he he knows that Monk already went to go see his new therapist. Um, so he's upset, obviously, about it, but he does make it a point to ask how the appointment was. Yes. And he, Monk says that something was missing. Right, something was missing, and then he asks him when's the last time he saw him, and he mentions it was like three or four years ago, mm-hmm. but that he heard that he had lost a lot of weight, mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, he sure did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I fucking felt so bad laughing at that line, but it was It's, it's funny. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so Monk basically says that he saw the rock that was thrown through Kroger's window in the courtyard, and the only people who have access to the courtyard are Dr. Kroger and your good friend. I mean, I would some. I already used say, it, bitch. You did already, damn it. You're, yeah, I, I did. I used it already. Merrigan. Merrigan. Um, oh, but I used it for someone else. I used it for yeah. Joe. I was going to say, I didn't, yeah, I didn't think that. Yeah, damn. Yeah, Merrigan's your mentor. Oh, okay, um, right. That, uh, and so they go my over former to college roommate. <laughs> uh, they go over to Merrigan's office and they look through and he has a ton of powdered milk on the floor, um, which not a great, a, a strange thing just to have lying around, but it's even stranger because dot, dot, dot. He doesn't have a coffee machine. Yes. Um, and not only that, but when they first saw him, mm-hmm. he mentioned or he like he leaves the scene by saying he needs to go make some coffee. So yeah. my guy's just always carrying powdered milk. Right. That'd just be a strange thing if you're just like chilling and a guy just walked around with powdered milk. I don't. Even, what do you even do with that? Um. I mean, I don't know. I don't think I've ever had. Well, I mean, no, to be no, honest oh, with so you, no, I'm still no, freaking out. I, so I don't mean, I don't mean, what do you do with powdered milk? I mean, if you saw someone with powdered milk, what do you like? What do you do with that information? Like, just like, dude, I think I just saw Joe walking around with powdered milk. To be honest with you, I didn't know that a powdered milk was a thing except for like formula. Uh, you know, uh, not unfair. Um, I think if I remember correctly, powdered milk is incredibly flammable, and so it's you. You can like uh, use it in like magic dynamite. No, it's like it's very flammable, like very quickly. It's like almost like ah, okay. I could be wrong about this, but I think it's like almost like flash paper, where it burns super super quickly. It's very dangerous for that reason, but it also can be used in like smoke illusions and stuff to like make smoke fire. I think I could be wrong about that. Okay, okay. Um. Anyway, Monk points out that dealers use it to cut heroin, um, and uh, you know I remember that reminds me of something my mom once said to me, uh, and my brothers, which is you know, uh, she told us never to use hard drugs. Because, and I quote, these days you don't know what it's cut with. Back in the day when you got drugs, you knew what you were getting. <laughs> okay, my only thing, and, um, you know, cut this out if we need to, but yeah. I happen to know that fucking heroin is a brown color. So there's no way you're using fucking powdered milk to do it. You're cutting cocaine yeah. or crack with that. Yeah, it, yeah, it definitely is not accurate. But, uh, yeah, I, I also, um, yeah. And I also want to say, I, my mom is definitely wrong about that assessment. They Things were getting cut with shit. Yeah, they were, they were getting stepped on back then. Too. Yeah. <laughs> that just, um, but I, uh, it, it is it is very funny to hear your mom say, you, you knew what you were getting. It's like, no, I don't think you did. I think, mom, you were just less responsible. Um, also, I know, I, don't, I also don't think she was doing anything that would get cut with anything anyway. I think that she just thinks it's funny to say. And in fairness to her, it is funny to hear your mom say that. Um, yes. And uh, so... Dr. Kroger's like, I don't think you should talk about Merrigan anymore because wouldn't you know it, he's behind them and he's got his gun pulled on him. Yeah, um, it's, yeah, it's a tough situation. Um, and yeah, they, they've been caught and uh, they're going to be taken, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we cut to the police station where Natalie's looking for Monk. Somehow Stoudmire and Disher are playing chess together. Weird scene, by the way. It's like 10 seconds long. Yeah, I'll, I, I feel like maybe they there was a joke that they cut out. Yeah, I think so, too. Because also, how do you have them playing chess against each other without Randy doing something stupid? Yes. I'm even surprised that uh, Randy knows how to play chess, to yeah. be quite honest. Yeah. Um, he, you know, Randy, I bet Randy... Uh, imagine if Randy secretly was like the Queen's Gambit when he goes to sleep, he sees the pieces on the ceiling. It'd be pretty crazy. I haven't seen that show. So. Well, it, everyone else did, so they're going to get in you didn't, so that's okay. Um, yeah, right. And so he's not there, obviously. And then we cut to Kroger and Monker in the back of the truck uh, with a bunch of furniture and stuff. Yeah, they've been strapped to some chairs. Mm-hmm. And Monk tells Kroger they got to switch places. Yeah. Um, and Kroger, like, you know, they get to their mm-hmm. other position and he's like, well, what are we going to do now? And he's like, I don't know. It just seemed uh, it just seemed like the natural position that they usually take. Yeah. And Kroger he's like, I've been thinking about I've been right. thinking about my brother. It's like, no. <laughs> <this> is- <laughs> 
Right. And you know what? I'll say this. Like, Monk's used to being, like, in mortal danger. So he's very chill. Like, mm-hmm. he's very cool as a cucumber. And Kroger's like, no, this isn't the time for therapy. Mm-hmm. I'm actually very scared right now. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. I also think the thing between Monk, too, is that he's so – he's using his – other problems as a way to not think about the moral danger. Uh, to in. numb that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, Monk basically explains the plan, what's going on, what happened, um, that, uh, just give, you don't have to give a full, like, here's what happened, but the long and short of it, what what's the deal? Why did uh, Merrigan kill Teresa? Okay. Alright, well, basically, they noticed that there's, like, a, some figurines mm-hmm. also in the back of that truck, too. So, mm-hmm. what, I believe one of them, yeah, okay, so they, they noticed that, and Monk deduces that uh, essentially, those figurines were used. They were imported through Frank's business, mm-hmm. uh, full of drugs, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, what seemed to have happened is that the Teresa must have knocked over mm-hmm. one of them and not realized what it was, and just vacuumed it and kind of just like did the the mm-hmm. like the Scooby Doo trick of gluing together a vase that they mm-hmm. broke or whatever. And so he kind of suspects that someone has uh, – well, he needs to get that shit back, right? Because yeah. it's expensive. Mm-hmm. So he goes around and he finds the cleaning lady – or he finds out that the cleaning lady must have been the one that did mm-hmm. it. So he, sure enough, checks the vacuum bag, realizes mm-hmm. that that's where it was, and, she, you know, he has to kill her, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he, he, he can't cover it up. Even though, like, she probably wouldn't have even known. Like, he could have not killed her, I think, right? I guess. It's hard – what is the thing though is what could possibly be a white powder that someone desperately needs that isn't illegal <laughs> is the well, thing powdered milk <laughs> yeah i why is it in figurines then <laughs> Uh, maybe there's a f- growing market for it. I have no idea, but, like, I, yeah. I feel like if she vacuumed it up and didn't think anything about it yeah. and didn't, like, immediately call yeah. the cops, I think yeah. he would have been fine. You're right. Anyway, he kills yeah. her. Uh, yeah. and then, yeah, he wants to make it look like a patient. Um. That's why he picked the rock yeah. and used it to throw it through. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And Dr. Roger says something really great. He says, you know, I hope I'm as good at my job as you were at yours. Which, you know what, fair. Because Dodge Kroger seems like a good therapist, but Adrian Monk is the best detective in the world, so, like, you know. Um, right. Yeah. But we got we cut to something very interesting, which I did not see coming. Turns mm-hmm. out they got a tail on him. Mm-hmm. It's none other than Harold Crenshaw is following them. Which, you know what? Like, this, my man, I mean, I hate his guts. Yeah, he sucks. But he shows a tremendous amount of bravery. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, yeah, he's, yeah. Thing is, I, I don't like him at all, but he's about it. You know, like, he's, he, yeah. he's, he's with, he's, you know, real shit. Um, yeah. And so, they're at, Stalmeyer, Disher, and Natalie are at Dr. Kroger's office, and then they get a call from Harold, basically saying that he's following them. And so that's where they get the information where they are. And right. um, they arrive at the warehouse, uh, and they're sitting down, and... Apparently they're gonna let Frankie decide what the the goons are. They they're gonna let Frankie decide what to do with Kroger and Monk, which they kind of because you do wonder at this point why don't they just kill them? Um, but anyway, right. Um, but yeah, we need we need we need some time for them to get there. So yeah. you know while they're all, while they're I think they mentioned one of the heavies sees that the, that the 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 product has like a bunch of dust bunnies in there. So they start going through it, and while they're both distracted, I don't see why just one of them couldn't have done it. Uh, Harold basically sneaks up and, you know, manages to get the drop on him. Um, he picks up the gun that they had put aside. Yeah, because the, right near the, the biscuit was right there. Right. Yes, thank you. Uh, they use the powdered milk for the biscuit. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, so he's, you know, he's about to, like, have the upper hand on him. Although, do I have confidence that he could have pulled it on both of them? Probably not. Anyways, right when he's about to, like, confront them, he sees something out of place in his periphery. So, of course, he's got to do the monk thing that monk can't do because he's incapacitated. Mm-hmm. But he's got to, like, fix everything. And so that kind of loses his uh See, the thing I will say about monk is that I think monk, monk in situations like this has been able to overcome his... At times. At times. At times. Not all the time, but generally when it's life or death, he's he chooses to, you know... Yeah, if it's life or death, and if it's the life and death of his therapist, I yeah. think that would have superseded all of this. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, Harold's fixing it, and then they the guys realize he's there, and they, you know, tackle him, and, you know, it starts to be a ruckus. And then Stamar and Disher show up. There's a little gunfire. Uh, right. Kroger was very resourceful. 
uses teeth to bite his way out of uh, his tape on his hands, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. He grabs a pipe, and oh no, he's in the crossfire. Mm -hmm. Dot, dot, dot. So my whole thing about this is, obviously, they know that the cops are there. Why would you add more to your prison sentence by shooting some guy right in front of them? Unclear. They probably think they can get away with it, but that's not possible. I don't know. Okay. All right. Yeah. But um, right as he's about to get the biscuit uh, unloaded on him, uh, Harold Crenshaw saves the fucking day. He died. He literally takes a bullet for mm-hmm. uh, for Dr. Kroger, mm-hmm. a callback to a previous reference that I completely fucking yeah, exactly. missed. Exactly. Um, and then he, when he's on the ground, you know, in Dr. Kroger's arms, he calls for Monk to come over to him and he just says, beat that. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he does that whole thing like, come closer, mm-hmm. closer, closer, beat that. Yes. It's great. Great stuff. And then we have the little end tag where we are at, uh, at, um, Dr. Kroger's back in session yeah. and, uh, Monk finally gets his answer. We mentioned it about where what the end hope means and it's because of new hope which is where his dad it monk's dad was born correct um why it was at the end of the file who knows but uh i don't think yeah, it was at the, i think it was at the bottom of a page i don't think it was at the end of the whole thing i, I didn't get but that impression okay okay but uh either way you know crisis averted uh you know monk uh, he kroger doesn't think that badly of monk uh just the normal amount of bad mm-hmm. and that's it yep I mean, yeah, that is it. And what would you give this upset out of ten? Um, I gave it an eight out of ten, strictly Same. for uh, strictly for the amount of uh, Charles Kroger that we get in it. Man, Charlie is just—he's a great guy, um, legend. Yeah, just an icon. Um, and uh, the more time we can talk about how great he is, the better. Um, yeah. And shouts to uh, Rick Curry, deceased Jesuit priest, acting in a monk episode. That's—I mean, I—I just, I think that that's fun. Because also, I looked him up because you, when you see that bit of it, it just shows how bad amputees usually look in film and television. Because when there's someone who actually is missing an arm, it just looks so much better, which is gross to say. But you know what I mean? Like, because when when it's someone who isn't actually missing an arm, they have to shoot from like weird angles. Whereas since the guy actually has his forearm missing, they can just shoot him normally because they don't have to hide something, you know? Right, yeah. No, I mean, my my whole thing is I always go back to the Lieutenant Dan thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that shit looks so good. Like, I, didn't, I, I legit thought yeah. for years that Gary Sinise was a paraplegic. But the thing you have to keep in mind, though, is a couple things. One, with a paraplegic, when it's the legs, it's a little easier to do because it's sitting. You can, like, hide the legs. Right, right, um, right, right, right. And also that for, at Forrest Gump was a, like, million, like a, you know, $80 million movie um, with yes. great special effects. Whereas Monk, you know, probably is a couple hundred thousand dollars an episode. Um and uh yeah but like an arm is just so much harder because the only the only place you can hide it really is in your shirt and then it just makes your torso look unusually bigger um but yeah also bobby's a mechus with forrest gump i mean he's always on the cutting edge of uh of right you know video editing uh anyway uh yeah i like this episode i think the stages of grief scene is very funny and i love seeing chucky kroger but uh anyway follow the show on twitter at strictly monk and andre where can people follow you you could follow me at Andre Barrera. And you could follow me at the J. Christie. Please rate, subscribe, share with your friends. Um, and seriously, appreciate everyone who's listened. Every time we get like a message about how people are listening to the show and liking it, it I can I can speak for myself, and I think Andre, when I say it, it makes my day every time. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, th- in a way, this is my therapy. I mean, that is great to hear. Um, I, I, I definitely, it's, it, 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 it isn't isn't my therapy in that I do actually have therapy, but it's it's very nice. I do love doing this, uh, and it's a lot of fun. I do too, and I'll say this also. Um, you know, if it if it weren't for the pandemic, like there would be so many more delayed episodes because I'd be like, "Yo, man, I'm hit, I'm hitting the bar tonight. I'm doing something." I know. You know, like in a way, like we maximize the the best. I know. Exactly. Time. Exactly. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that definitely is true. Speaking of which, uh, because Andre's going to be busy later this week, we're going to be not doing an episode. This, the next episode is going to be next Tuesday. Uh, just FYI, right. programming note. Um, and so, yeah, so join us next Tuesday as we talk about Mr. Monk goes to a rock concert. Let's go, Monkey! Okay.